Hola, Tucson. Thank you for joining us for the No Tucson podcast with City of Tucson Ward 1 Council Member Lane Santa Cruz. Hola, mi gente. I'm their co-host, Liz Soltero. And today we also have Antonio joining us from the Ward 1 team as well. Welcome, Antonio. Hello. If this is your first time listening, we share that we've started this podcast in response to the fight against COVID-19 and as another means to share information talk about resources and issues that are coming up for us as a community. So during the podcast, we'll tackle two to three different topics, and then we'll, we'll finish with sharing some shout outs around what's giving us and who's giving us joy in the community. And so first, we'll start off with information on South 12 La Dosa Improvement Project. Lane, can you share some highlights of what's going to be going on with that? Yes, thank you, Liz. Uh, so just to kind of give uh, some background that growing up here in Tucson, um, especially if you grew up on the south side and you do your business on the south side, you always see how like 12th Avenue is this corridor where so much is happening and so much happens every day. But when you look at the infrastructure that is there, you start to compare it to other parts of town of like, why don't we have any kind of beautification? Why, why isn't there trees? Why aren't there safe crosswalks? Um, so that brings us to a lot of what we heard from the community around like our roads are crumbling, people keep getting hit trying to cross the street, there's a lot of speeding or there's a lot of traffic during like school drop off hours. And two years ago, we started conversations with the community about the different safety improvements that could happen along 12th Avenue. And a lot of that was presenting this, like, what would 12th Avenue look like as a complete street? And so when we're talking about complete streets, we're talking about infrastructure, like lighting, like safe crosswalks, like vegetation, um, places for people walking and biking to go where they're safe and protected. And so now we're at the point that the project's about to begin. And we want to make sure that the public knows that we're going to be holding a virtual town hall that's going to be hosted by Transportation and Mobility Department, the Ward 5 Council Office, and our Ward 1 Office this coming Tuesday, April 28th at 3 p.m. And you can call in the website to also link in to the call. is going to be 12ab, so the number 12thabtucson.com. Thank you, Lane, for sharing those updates on La Dose. We do look forward to seeing how that project comes, comes to fruition. And, you know, we don't know where we'll be in those next 120 days when the project is done, but we do look forward to celebrating together. And so returning to COVID-19 and sharing information here and what's going on in Arizona we are thankful that we have Antonio, who's on our team, and a, a Navajo Nation tribal member to shed light on what is happening to the community and how folks are being impacted and just share thoughts, you know, Antonio. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Liz. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Antonio Ramirez, and I'm both Navajo and Hopi. Uh, so on my Navajo side, most of my family's from Shiprock, uh, Shiprock, New Mexico. And 
I've been having regular chats with my grandma and some of my family members out there. And there's just, there's a lot of stress and uncertainty going on with the COVID-19. Right now on the Navajo Nation, there are 1,206 cases and 48 deaths. And the tribe as a whole is disproportionately impacted in comparison to the rest of the country. If there's anything that I could do right now to be of comfort, that's something that I want to do. Um, there's a quote that I heard recently that said, think of our ancestors who had to face so much more with so much less. And thinking about that, I, I just reflect on my own situation, how fortunate I feel and privileged. I have a lot of family out there who's not under the same circumstances. And there's a lot of tribal members who don't have access to running water, who don't have electricity. And then throughout the nation, there's a limited supply of grocery stores. People are bottlenecked into small areas. And, and that's what one of the reasons that the COVID-19 is spreading so much. So I think all those things are really important to take into consideration. And I know that we're in Tucson and not over on the Navajo Nation, but it's just a, a reminder that the access to space, the access to running water, to grocery stores, that, that's a huge privilege. It's not something that should be taken for granted. And just like with that additional access, I think we need to do our part and continue doing our part to try to try to flatten the curve. Antonio, do you have, aside from like continuing to practice the social distancing and making a call for that, is there other actionable ways that the community here can support our, our neighbors to the north? Right. So there's actually been a lot of donations uh, in the news, even New York. Um, the governor, uh, he made a donation to the Navajo Nation. Jason Momoa, who's also indigenous, he made a donation. The uh, U of A has been sending out supplies up there. And, and many community members throughout the country have been contributing to the Navajo Nation and, and just lending that extra hand. With that said, I... I think that a lot more could be done, especially from the federal government. In terms of funding and increasing access to healthcare, not just during this COVID-19 crisis, but even beyond, because these conditions have been pre-existing and what COVID-19 is actually doing is it's revealing a lot of the disparities that had existed for, for so long. And I think what we also need to do is not just pay attention to what's happening on the Navajo Nation, but also look to the other tribes like Tana Atam and Pasquayaki, start a dialogue on what needs to be done to do more for those communities. I know that the Navajo Nation president, Jonathan Nez, he started doing work for the prevention of this crisis all the way back in January. By February, the, the Navajo Nation had even established a uh, emergency preparedness team to begin to address any potential pandemic. And I think with that additional preparedness, that helped the Navajo Nation a lot, but even still, there, there's more need for more resources. Uh, like I said, that this isn't just gonna end with the uh, coronavirus, it's, it's gonna be ongoing. Just this past weekend, we saw the protesters at the state capitol talking about the governor, for Governor Ducey to stop holding the state hostage and to open it back up, that people need to work, that people need their haircuts, 
are just like signs like flatten the fear when we have these like very real threats to our tribal communities for all the reasons that you outlined of how they're vulnerable because of you know having access to grocery stores and running water and that kind of thing but we've also seen that leadership that you're saying because even our own yeah our own nations here locally that the Hanatum nation and Paspayaki have had a lot more strict orders in place you know where they have curfews their movement is more restricted than what we have here and yet people here are so privileged that they can go protest the state capital when so much of our community is is suffering by all of this right i think that's a really good point and with the navajo they've actually had um curfews they've had lockdowns on uh the weekends they've had pretty pretty strict lockdowns for the entire like 57 hour period over the weekend I have uh, some family who works in the hospital in Chiprock and they have to go to work. I have a cousin who works in one of the assisted living facilities that got most affected around that area. And she has to still go to work. It's just, it's really scary. But when I see those reports, it's also very frustrating of people protesting. And to an extent I understand. And like I said about my own privilege, I'm employed at the moment and receiving a paycheck. Still, I think that if you look in this in terms of the long term and in terms of other people, in terms of the healthcare workers who are going to work and exposing themselves, you need you need to take that into consideration before you go make those protests and and you need to think beyond beyond the here and right now and look at the long term especially with the Navajo Nation being affected so much. It's not just Navajos who get infected and who can spread the infection, but others who are getting infected and who can spread the infection on the Navajo Nation. Well, thank you, Antonio. I know we have another uh, Navajo member that's been kind of part of our family, our Ward 1 family that we want to do a little shout out to, and that is Tylee Nez. We met Tylee over a year ago, and I had the honor of having her be a part of my campaign and the team that really helped get us into office. And Tylee is currently a senior. I'm super proud that she got into Tufts University and UC Berkeley, and she's planning to study environmental engineering and public policy. But over the past couple of months, she's also been really active with the, with the youth climate strike. And we wanted to just share this platform to let her share some of her work and her words about why she got involved, but also because today is Earth Day and we have to celebrate our our madre, our mama tierra every day. So let's hear from Tylee. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm Tylee. I'm a big advocate for environmental justice. I'm a member of the Arizona Youth Climate Coalition, which is a full youth-led statewide movement advocating for climate justice across Arizona. I first got involved during their climate strike in September. I've been part of amazing actions, organizing climate strikes, working with politicians for climate justice, and much more. This past Wednesday was Earth Day. Environmental and climate organizations turned this week into Earth Week with different actions each day. A few of the organizations are Sunrise Tucson, Defenders of Wildlife, High Schools for Climate Justice, Arizona Youth Climate Coalition, and Sierra Club. A few of the actions that's happened this week is phone banking, 
email floods to politicians at local and state level, educational webinars, live streams, and digital climate strikes. A few of my favorite actions that's happened this week is one with High Schools for Climate Justice. They did an art campaign where you make a shrine with a shoebox to put something you're scared of losing from the climate crisis or something that you're fighting hard to keep. Another one is Arizona Youth Climate Coalition. They did a 50th anniversary of Earth Day interviews. They interviewed five activists who either attended slash organized the first Earth Day climate strike in 1970. I suggest you all to watch this on their YouTube. Another event that's happening on Friday with Arizona Youth Climate Coalition is a discussion webinar on the Latinx community climate crisis. They'll be joined with three panelists from Chispa, Arizona, Mi Familia Vota, Eco Madres to explore the urgency of env environmental, social, and economical issues facing the Latinx community when it comes to the climate crisis, as well as action needed to address it. A similar webinar will be held on Saturday focused on the Asian American and Pacific Islander community. Thank you so much for having me. I hope everyone is doing well and safe. To add to our shout out on Tylee and her involvement in the community, she's also starting to work with Ward 1 around water. Antonio helped connect Tylee with us here at Ward 1 to work on looking at PFAS. Antonio helped me out here. PFAS stands for Polyfluoroalkali. For those of you that aren't familiar, these are contaminants that we don't want to be drinking in our water. They can cause some very serious health risks. And so we're grateful to have Tylee's extra eyes on this topic. And we look forward to having her be a leader. It's very reassuring and does bring joy that we have some really engaged youth and they're helping guide us that we get to make these decisions together. I'm super grateful to have amazing, engaged youth in our community who are stepping up and willing to take on responsibilities and help guide the decision-making process. Investing in youth and supporting our youth was one of our campaign platform. And um, you know, I'm just grateful to then be that bridge to, to city government to where we, we are practicing these co-governing practices that, that we set out to do during the campaign. So thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to talking with y'all next week. If you don't know, now you know. Bye. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs>